Well, good evening, all. This is kind of a special night in a lot of ways. I'll name three. Uh, normally, we, it's pretty scarce to have one that as many things fall on as this one. It's A, the new moon, uh, B, Feast of Dedication, and C, the weekly Sabbath. So we got three things all lined up here that are important to us tonight. I'll uh, keep this short. It is Friday night. Everybody's tired, and we've been up night after night. Uh, but the few things I want to cover, I wanted to have the Bible study partly because it is uh, new moon, and since we're coming anyway, a, a good thing to do. <clears throat> and I wanted to talk a little about the Feast of Dedication itself. Not much was said this year beforehand. I think I do have a sermon uh, back in the archives about it, but uh, a review doesn't hurt with meat in due season a little bit. We call it the Feast of Dedication. The Jews sometimes call it the Feast of Lights, and they also call it Hanukkah. And actually, Hanukkah is... Uh, a Hebrew word that translates to dedication. So you can say Hanukkah in Hebrew, you have dedication, or in English, dedication. I don't spend a whole lot of time worrying about how the Hebrews or the Jews said something. God is actually multilingual. Uh, some people don't know that. So they think that everything has to be as much in Hebrew as possible. But... Uh, the Bible did not really come to us in Hebrew. It came to us in English. You can get Hebrew translations. You can get translations from many nations or many tongues now. <clears throat> but that isn't the key in exactly how you say something. Uh, for instance, we use Jesus. Uh, some Oh, you've got to say Joshua. And then some say you've got to say Yahuwah to get it a little more Hebrew sounding. It's all the same. There's no difference. It's just a different language. And God isn't going to throw you in the lake of fire because you didn't know ancient Hebrew. I just don't see that. It's a matter of keeping His commandments. And we can get kind of stretched out on some of those things beyond what is necessary. Did God raise up Worldwide Church of God with Herbert Armstrong, who said, Jesus Christ? Yes. Did he repudiate that church because they didn't say Yahuwah or some other name or exactly how you say it? No. Uh, he worked through the man to build an end-time work. And long, long, long ago, in my own experience, uh, 50 going on 60 years now, I've seen demons cast out of people using the t name Jesus Christ. You didn't have to twist your tongue some way in order to get God to listen. So I know from my own experience and looking at the church and how he worked with it that uh, we don't have to go there. Now, we use, or started using Emmanuel, which 
Christ himself said in Matthew would happen. You call him Jesus, they will call him Emmanuel. Now, we can use both, and he is still salvation, Jesus. Uh, he is going to come and dwell with us, and that's what Emmanuel means, God with us. Now, it's partly anticipatory when we use Emmanuel now, because he has not yet come to dwell with us specifically as Zechariah 2 says he will. On the other hand, I know he is with us. I've seen too many things happen here, and too many things go on, that I know he is here. He's with us. So, uh, I think we can use both, and it does not offend him one way or the other. We're kind of in that tweener situation, between one name and the other. And uh, it's okay, depending on the circumstance, to use either or. And I tend to, especially when I am asked to give a prayer where there are people who are not in the church or who do not understand our use, I go ahead and say Jesus Christ. I have no problem with that, and they don't either. If I used Emmanuel, they'd say, what? Uh, so why even go there if I'm among people who don't know what it is and why we do it? No sense in offending unnecessarily if we can help it. Anyway, that's not the topic of the Bible study in particular. But the building of the temple in Ezra and then the city walls in Nehemiah's time are recorded in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And the history is that Solomon built the temple uh, since David could not. And then Solomon's temple was destroyed. Uh, people went into captivity into Babylon, and there was a 70-year captivity. So the Solomon's temple was destroyed, there was a captivity, and then, as we know from Daniel, as and he got it from Jeremiah, he said, uh, after the 70 years, uh, the people would be released, and... Ezra had it laid upon him to build the temple back. So he went to the king. This was a couple, three years after uh, the 70 was complete, uh, and said that they wanted to build the temple. So it was set up and allowed, and then they gathered up and came here to build the temple, and it took a while. They... Uh, got everything together, got all their preparations made, came over, and Ezra is the one who recorded the story, and we give a lot of credit to Ezra, but on the other hand, <clears throat> we need to understand toward the end of chapter 1, the uh, things in the treasury were given to Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah, and it names the things that were given. All these did Sheshbazar bring up with them of the captivity that were brought up from Babylon unto Jerusalem. So Ezra was a scribe. He was also a priest and spoke. If you read on down, he stood on a pulpit made of wood and spoke to the people. Forty-two thousand of them came to build the temple. I don't think by any means we'll have that many here at the end time temple. 
Since God is said, he will only get a 10% remnant of what was. But they had a lot of people there. But uh, Sheshbazar was a, a Persian name for Zerubbabel. And when you go to the book of Haggai and Zechariah, uh, it doesn't mention Ezra or Nehemiah at all, but uh, Zerubbabel and Joshua, the son of Nun, and they were both here, uh, let's see, chapter 2, verse 2 of Ezra, uh, a lot of people came, and which came with Zerubbabel, Yeshua, and then it names a whole bunch, Joshua or Yeshua, was uh, the main one. And, of course, Haggai and Zechariah showed them to be not only the main ones, but ultimately the two witnesses in the end time who are commissioned to build the latter temple. You'll also find in this book that there were still old men who witnessed the, the uh, temple of Solomon before it was torn down, and then they saw the new one built by Ezra, Zerubbabel, and Joshua, and said it was greater. Now, I don't think it was necessarily greater in terms of the materials used. It may have been greater in uh, size in different ways, but I think the analogy carries forward for us that worldwide, as the former temple, will not be nearly as great as the latter temple. Now, the latter temple physically may not eclipse that house for God that Herbert Armstrong built. I don't know. That was a beautiful edifice, just gorgeous, with high quality all through it. And whether or not that will be replicated, I don't know. We'll just have to see what God has in mind. But he does say there in Haggai to go to the woods, or go to the mountains and bring wood. And there was wood also in this temple that Ezra uh, oversaw. Talks about three rows of wood here, back here somewhere. Uh, so, that may be duplicated. I don't remember, I'd have to go back through the specs again on Solomon's temple, whether they used any wood on it or not. Uh, does anybody know right offhand? I, I don't recall that, but I, it might be in there. But it certainly was with this one that Ezra and Nehemiah and Zerubbabel and Joshua had to do with. Well, that temple stood for some time, and then in the time of the Maccabees, uh, that was the name of some people, a family, uh, in 167 B.C., the Maccabees had get, gotten control, and there was one of them named Antiochus, Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, he came in, took over the temple, sacrificed a pig on the altar. Uh, that would have been a great affront to God and to the Israelites. And he also set up a temple of Zeus in the temple of God. Uh, much as the New World Order is starting to use Zeus as well. Uh, that's carried over. You're going to see more and more about Zeus, I think, uh, in the coming months. Anyway, that was all done. And the temple went into disrepair. Uh, and then some Jews came in three years later, having gotten some ascendancy 
and repaired it. They didn't rebuild it, they repaired it. Made it uh, more like it had been. But at that time then, they rededicated the temple. You remember it had been dedicated in the time of Solomon, and we could read Solomon's prayer of dedication, which is a very, very powerful sermon he gave back then. We've read it. Uh, but here they rededicated it, and they looked around to try to find a way to do so, and they needed oil that had been kept pure and clean that could be used for the dedication of God's temple. And they only found one cruise, one bottle of oil that had not been contaminated or made unholy in some way or another. Just one bottle. So they started to dedicate the temple. I'll go back here. Uh, well, let me throw in one thing as we go back. In Ezra 3, verse 5. Uh, they kept the Feast of Tabernacles in verse 4, and afterward offered the continual burnt offering, both of the new moons and of all the set feasts of the eternal that were consecrated. And everyone willingly offered a free will offering to the eternal. And uh, they were keeping the new moon then and doing the sacrifices. And we see evidence that new moon should be kept as the calendar. But anyway, going on, they got the temple finished in chapter 6. In verse 15, And this house was finished on the third day of the month, Adar, which was in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. Adar equates to March, basically, today. And that's when they finished the temple. And the children of Israel, the priests and the Levites, and the rest of the children of the captivity kept the dedication of this house of God with joy. So it was set up to dedicate it to God. And they offered at the dedication of this house of God a hundred bullocks, two hundred rams, four hundred lambs, and for a sin offering for Israel, twelve he-goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. So here, a goat was used instead of a lamb or a sheep, and you can do that even on Passover, use a goat instead of a lamb. That was allowed there when Passover was instituted. And they set priests in their divisions, and the Levites in their courses, for the service of God, which is at Jerusalem, as it is written in the book of Moses. So they went back to uh, setting the priest up the same way. And the children of the captivity kept the Passover upon the 14th day of the first month. That was right after the temple had been finished and dedicated. But it kind of continues in that context. For the priests and the Levites were purified together. All of them were pure and killed the Passover for all the children of the captivity, and for their brethren the priests, and for themselves. And the children of Israel, which were come again out of captivity, the Babylonian captivity this is, and all such as had separated themselves unto them from the filthiness of the heathen of the land, 
to seek the Lord God of Israel did eat. Now that equates to us, because he tells us in Revelation 18, and among other scriptures I went by over just recently, to come out of the middle of Babylon and to be cleansed and purified. And that's exactly what these people had done. They had left the captivity in Babylon and now were out purging themselves, cleaning themselves. And I read it in Isaiah 52, I think it's last Sabbath. That be you clean who bear the vessels of the eternal as they come out of Babylon. So you have come out and others are going to follow suit because God is going to show where he needs them to come because they don't know yet. But these people <clears throat> cleansed themselves and kept it. Just as we are to be cleaning ourselves and keeping all of God's holy days, the new moons and everything, just like they did back here. But the outstanding thing in a way of this dedication is that They had that cruise of oil that was good, but they couldn't light all the lights for more than a day. And this feast of dedication, I don't know why, was supposed to last, was it the full eight days that they still do it? Or did the miracle of the light remain for eight days and God showed how long by how long he kept it burning? I don't know that. Uh, I didn't mention it in the references I read. But anyway, there was only enough there for one day. And this Feast of Dedication apparently was scheduled to go on for more than that. I mean, they'd been working hard for several years. And that had a period of time when the work was stopped because of enemies. Then it started again. <coughs> and they finally finished it many years later. So I'm sure they were primed for a large celebration, lasting more than a day. <clears throat> so that's what was planned. And then they found, oh my, we don't have enough oil. And apparently, according to Jewish tradition, and that's all we have to go on, uh, and I don't know whether this is true or not, it's Jewish tradition. Some of the things they say are true, and some of the things they say aren't. But we don't know for sure. But... On the face of it, this sounds like it could very well have been. Uh, I think it's clear in the New Testament that it was more than one day that the Feast of Dedication was kept. So, the lights lasted anyway and the oil in the lamps for eight days. And they kept it for eight days. Now, it says there in John, when Christ went to the temple... It was at the Feast of Dedication, and he walked on Solomon's porch, and it was winter. So, uh, he was there keeping, or observing, or at least being available and on Solomon's porch at the temple during the Feast of Dedication. And looking at that, I am to do what he did and walk in his steps, and if he was there at the Feast of Dedication, then I want to be also. I want to do everything he did because that's what it tells me to do. Walk as he walked and think as he thought. And if he kept something, then that's something I think I'd better keep. So we started doing it and we sorted out 
that it isn't the Jewish Christmas, which I kind of assumed all along, but it was the dedication of God's temple. Now, that temple uh, later <clears throat> went into some ruin as well, and Herod restored it again. After Antiochus had messed it up in 164 B.C., or 167, I mean, and then three years later in 164, uh, they had rebuilt it, refurbished it, fixed it back up, and then it went into disarray again, and Herod didn't really build a third temple. Uh, he did quite extensive work in remodeling and adding to what was already still there. So there have only been really two temples in state of repair or disrepair, Solomon's and this one with Zerubbabel and Joshua. And the Feast of Dedication that we keep is the same dedication that they did in Ezra's day. That's, that's what we're doing. Uh, because that temple remained until after Christ was there. He used it, uh, ran the money changers out of it, recognized it for what it was, and then it was torn down later, and the Jews don't know where it is. They claim the Wailing Wall there is part of that temple, but research has shown that that was apparently uh, a wall of a Roman fort, not the Wailing Wall that they call the temple. And now we know that the temple was over here and destroyed, and that has nothing to do with it at all. So that's the temple and the dedication we read about here in, in Ezra 6 is the one where uh, the Feast of Dedication started. And that was the temple that was still there when Christ walked on Solomon's porch. But it said it was the Feast of Dedication, and it was in the winter. And to me, that sounds like, just the way it's worded there, that the Feast of Dedication was an ongoing thing. It wasn't just one day, but that it was continuing. He was there during the Feast of Dedication and walking on the porch. Now, I'm, I may be adding a little bit there. That's just the way it seems to word it to me. But since it is kept eight days, uh, and that is the story, then we don't know anything else from Scripture to do anything different whether it should be two days, four days, eight days, or what. Uh, but that's what's been brought down. So that's the best knowledge we have at this time, is that we keep it eight days, which is what we've been doing. Now, there is to be another temple. I think we've fairly clearly seen that in Scripture and Daniel is a book that was sealed up until the end. A lot of scholars will say that Antiochus Epiphanes uh, set up that pig on the altar back then, and therefore the prophecy of Daniel is all fulfilled, and we don't have to worry about that anymore. But since the book of Daniel is an end-time prophecy and sealed until the end, and all the events in Daniel must be something that have to do with the end. So it is a prophecy that is to be repeated. And there will be, they, they didn't build that temple in 70 weeks. Or they didn't build Jerusalem back, the wall of Jerusalem of Nehemiah, in 70 weeks. 
you read through Ezra and Nehemiah, it took a lot longer than that. It was a period of many years. And even the wall, it doesn't give the amount of time. So, Daniel is specific. But here at the end, it'll be a 70-week period from the time the order is given to build a temple until it is defiled. And that wasn't done back then. It was uh, built, uh, and then a long time later, it was defiled and then restored some. So the story isn't exactly the same by any means, and Daniel has a totally different timing on it. So the prophecies of Daniel are yet ahead of us for the most part. I think we see a few of them starting to be fulfilled right now, but not the final total fulfillment of them. So, the temple will be built again. It will be defiled by the beast and false prophets. Then there will be wars back and forth between the king of the north and the king of the south. And the new world order will have taken over. The times of the Gentiles started. And it will last three and a half years. So, that compact. It's 70 weeks to build it. It's defiled. And then... The times of the Gentiles begin because the church flees to Zion and the tribulation starts. It appears uh, that, the, that the witnesses begin preaching right after that is defiled. I don't know that for sure, but that's the way the scripture seems to come together. There might be a short period of time in there. There's a 30-day and a 45-day period at the end of Daniel 12 that I still don't know where fit. So I try to say uh, there could be some time here, there could be some time there to cover those composite 75 days. We'll see. I just don't know where they fit yet. Because that part apparently is still sealed. No other mention of it anywhere else. So that's, on a physical level, what we are doing. I'm thinking of giving a sermon tomorrow with some other ramifications that may fit this that has a great deal to do with you and me. Now, I think I skipped over this, uh, but I meant to say, I thought that worked out pretty well last Sabbath. It was the electric problem that caused it, but we started at three, and then we had our potluck after I spoke overtime. And then we did our singing, and I think that might be a good thing to do again this week so we don't have to come, have the service, have potluck, go home, come back and sing, uh, because, uh, let's see, if we do it at 3, should be done with the service by 4.30 or a little before, and then by the time we have potluck, it'll be sundown, we can sing some hymns for the sake of Feast of Dedication, and go on home then. And then, let's see, Saturday night is our last night. So tomorrow night will be the last night. The, the days continue through Sunday, but we're singing at the beginning of the day instead of the end of the day, because Sunday night, it'll be over. So singing at the beginning of the day, and that will conclude it. So 3 o'clock for service, and then singing about sunset, and we'll be done with Feast of Dedication. So I wanted to give you a little bit of an overview tonight, then more 
how this fits historically and, and what it meant and that it is to do with Ezra and Nehemiah's uh, building there in Jerusalem during that time. And we're referring back to what they did for God. We're not just referring back to something the Jews did on their own. This is about God, and it's for God, and it has to do with His temple, and it is a forerunner for the temple to come. So, thank you for coming, and we'll see you tomorrow at 3.